0: Okay, I was wondering. You know, I was sitting next to a girl at a bar, and she ordered that. And I was like, "She's like, yeah, I want a, I want a sad mat." I didn't realize that that was curled milk and lemon juice.
1: And they could explain why. Brought to you by Maple Syrup Flavor. Hello, and welcome to JRA number fourteen of the year two thousand and eighteen. Tonight's episode is brought to you by dirt bikes and fiber paste hand job. Dirt bikes again. Uh, Kenny's going to go first. So I got all kinds
0: of cool shit to talk about. I bought me a motorcycle.
2: So you got a stump jumper ST and a motorcycle? I did. Is it a specialized motorcycle also?
1: Yeah. Is it a Levo? <laughs> like, is it a Kiva or Kinevo or whatever the super?
2: Oh, you got an
0: e-bike.
1: I got an e-bike. What are you talking about? Motorcycle, e-bike. It's like a, a
2: motorcycle, and e-bike. Oh. I mean, they're the, like the same thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're, they are the same thing. Yes.
2: A two-wheeled thing with a motor on it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But I bought a – there's just so much cool off-road stuff out here. Yeah. And I just – I want to get a moto and just something I could street legal if I need to, something that'll have halfway decent street manners and all that stuff. So, I bought a little bit older Honda XR400. It's air-cooled. be pretty cool. I had an XR650 back in the day that was super moto, and it was a lot of fun. So, I just found a good deal on one and picked one up. So, I got to go drive to California and pick that up.
2: Holy shit.
0: Are you going to take Jess Van? I don't know yet. I need to rent a, I'll probably reach rent a truck.
1: We'll see. Are you, Ooh, could you, would it be cheaper to one way rent a truck? Like, could you fly out there and drive back with it? I could, I could usually one
0: way rentals are more expensive. Um, gotcha. but, uh, I've got a buddy at enterprise. So maybe, yeah, maybe it'll be <laughs> cheap. I don't know. We'll see all that stuff's up in the air, but I should probably figure something out by this weekend. Cause that's when I told the guy I'd be there. <laughs> Um, I mean, he has the money, right? He has like a deposit. Yeah, he should be pretty cool. Yeah, we'll see. He seemed like a pretty legit dude. And I talked to him like immediately after I bought it. It was on eBay. Um, Got you. So he seemed legit. Anyway, other than that, I have been riding for about a week, the new 2019 stump jumper ST short travel. And it's pretty cool. So I guess where should I start on that? Um, let me compare it to the Niner RKT that I had. It this is not a surprise to anybody, but it does not climb as well. It right. weighs about a pound more. Um, the, the lockout's pretty decent on the rear shock from the factory. Uh, it's just enough that it's pretty pretty good. I don't know that I'd ever run it in like the middle mode, to be honest. So on my old RKT, that DPS with that lockout was like fuck you, lockout. Yeah, And I honestly never ran it fully locked out because it was so brutal. And I also didn't want to like break anything. So I ran the mid setting on that and it was like still really fucking stiff. So the full lock setting on the stump was kind of like my aftermarket bought DPS on the RKT. What else about the bike? It ended up being about, I moved basically all the components other than the dropper, the frame and the fork uh, from my RKT over to the stump jumper and I built, I just swapped the rims to um, XR 391 DTs, which is pretty much what I had just a couple mil wider and they built up really nice. uh, No issues with that at all. And the bike weighs like 26 pounds and change. So that's not bad for an ST. Yeah.
2: Uh, What's the travel on
0: that? How much does it weigh? Uh, 26, 26. 26.4 or something. I heard 23 and change and I was like, No, no, it's not that light. So what else about it? It's pretty light for what it is. I'm running the fast tracks right now. I'm probably going to get some beefier tires because that bike for sure, you can just, you can go faster on it and like push it harder into burns and stuff. So tires, I think are becoming a little bit more of a limiting factor. So I'll let (laughs) you guys know how that goes. It's going to be a bummer because I'm going to gain, you know, about a half pound, but it is what it is.
2: You know what? I can... I can tell you from going from like, I don't know, like running the gamut of tires where it's like, yeah, if I want a gnarly front tire, I'm going to run an ardent. And now it's like, if I want a gnarly front tire, I'm going to have like a minion DHF 2.5 or something like going from light cross country ish tires to something with some like real knob and like a soft rubber compound is pretty fucking amazing. (laughs) Like it's the first time you go through a corner where like normally you'd be like, Oh God, I'm going to slide out and it just grips and like nothing happens. It doesn't even make that noise. Like it doesn't even make that like Sandy, like you're sliding kind of noise. It just like grabs the ground and just holds onto it. And you're like, Oh my God, I am a God. (laughs) like it's it's pretty great.
0: So we'll see about that. Um other let me just ride characteristics for the bike. So I've got it in the high chip position so the BB is higher and it is a half a degree steeper. I'm pretty happy with that setup. I put my 175 cranks on it. I really don't get any crank strikes with it so far. So I'm happy about that portion of it. Um for what it is though, it climbs pretty reasonably. It does wander a little bit cuz it's a pretty slack head tube angle. Um the It came with a Rhythm 34 Fox fork, and that is not a bad fork. Don't get me wrong. I think the Fit 4 is a little bit more refined damper, but the grip, it locks out like full blown lockout. The actual lever action for the lockout is actually prefer it over the Fit 4 because there's not like little clunks and clicks. It's just a nice smooth action, and it's like pretty damn good. It weighs 100 to 150 grams more than my factory, full factory fork. So yes, it's heavier, but no, it's not that bad. It's still a sub 2000 gram, big chassis fork. It's like not bad at all. So if your bike came with that from the factory, I'd be hard pressed to tell you to get something different because like, damn, that's not bad at all. What else about the bike? It definitely, when you have it, the only thing I'm really noticing about it, not even like the steep descending stuff doesn't even seem to be that much better on it, which is weird. And I haven't done a ton of it yet. But the biggest thing I notice is just loading it up like in a really hard burn, for example, and you just are really loaded up on the pedals. The bike is just better because it has more travel. Um, yeah. Yep. It likes it definitely jumps well. Um, the it RKT. To
2: the, dark, the dark side of longer travel bikes.
0: <laughs> I really don't. I'm very, I'm happy. I'm very happy that I did not get the longer travel version right now. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but I just don't. I really don't think I want anything longer travel than this right now. So I still stand does behind. Longer, What's up?
2: Does does the longer travel one have a Fox thirty six on it?
0: Uh in the higher spec it does. The S Works, I think, is the only one that comes with a thirty six. All the other ones are thirty fours. Because it is a one fifty. Okay. Uh yeah. and one fifty is kind of that overlap where they that's the yeah, maximum yeah. you can run on a twenty nine, thirty four, to my knowledge. And then that's pretty much the minimum you can run on a thirty six twenty nine. Right. For the most part. I was gonna
2: say, like, once you put a thirty six on a bike, like you are committed to being like brap testing. <laughs>
1: Commit <laughs> to the send. Yeah.
2: You committed to the send. Like you're like, yeah, I'm just not gonna go uphill very fast. Yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah, the ST is a good bike. I still stick with what basically we've all said. If I did not live in Utah, I would not own an ST. For example, right. Memphis, even most places in Arkansas. Um A lot of places, I think the ST is honestly just not necessary. But to me, this ST is my equivalent of the RKT was in Memphis. You know, I still stand behind in Memphis that I prefer to just still ride that RKT. You know, I don't want to ride a hardtail, even in Memphis. Not that you can't. I just prefer not to. I think that RKT was still that genre of bike, whether it's a blur or an RKT or – um, God, but, the top fuel would have been awesome
1: in Memphis. Yeah.
0: Right. And Definitely. this is just, the riding is just big and bigger here. It just is. And I enjoy that stuff. So a little bit bigger bike is what it takes. It does. You don't need, you don't need an enduro to ride most stuff in Utah. Like you just don't need that. You don't need, in my opinion, the full travel stump jumper. Not that you can't ride it and you can have a shitload of fun. And I'm sure people rip on those things out here. And if you're going to do that absolute tippy top crazy stuff, like all you do is flow and jump trail stuff, then yes, I get that. But the average, what we would call XC riding, like if you go to the average riding spot here, the stuff is just gnarlier than Memphis, right? Like it just is. Yeah, the descents
2: are a little longer. It's a little rockier, a little steeper, you know.
0: There's rocks. So that's why I'm not, it's not that I'm like, oh yeah, all along, longer travel is better. No, I don't really think that's the case. I think longer travel is better
1: um when it's needed
2: yeah i mean someone someone brought that up on i think it was on twitter
1: yeah they were like you're coming to the dark side and i'm like come for a ride with us
2: yeah it's kind of like no our our (laughs) whole episode about like are you overbiked was to say like you need to very realistically evaluate the riding that you do and what your goals are and what your terrain is and you need to pick a bike based on that. And most of the time, it's not going to be a six inch travel 29er with a coil shock and a 170 mil Fox 36.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. And it's a, I think it's a guy thing. Don't get me wrong. Like (laughs) those, those bikes look cool. They do. Like they they do. They look cool. cool. And you see people in videos doing rad-ass shit on them, right? Like, I get it. So, you think like, oh, yeah, me getting that bike equals rad-ass shit. And, <laughs> eh, I mean, you're, you're just probably, I hate to say it, but you're probably not going to be that guy riding that rad-ass shit. So, like, maybe, so like, maybe don't get that. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, long story short, I really am enjoying the Stump ST. It's honestly – It's not a dig on the bike. I knew what I was getting into. It's nothing that's revolutionary. It's really not. To me, it rides pretty similar to a Pivot 429 trail. Like surprise, surprise. I haven't spent enough time on it. I have spent a decent amount of time on a 429 trail. Um, I mean, I'll be very honest with you guys. I mean, if it wasn't a brand thing, like it just happens to be, I work at a shop that has specialized. So sometimes you need to just try stuff you wouldn't normally go out and get. The even the old 429 trail was arguably just as good, or maybe even a tiny bit better. Um, just as an overall bike. So I'm I just don't want people to think like, oh yeah, specialized stump ST, that's the best bike in the world. Better than a pivot four two nine trail, better than this, better than that. I really don't think that's the case. It's a very good, competent bike. Like I'm not I am not disappointed with really with anything on the bike. The weight's good. The lateral stiffness seems to be good. It looks good. The price is reasonable. Like it's a full carbon bike. Um, I mean, it's a good bike.
2: 26 and, pounds is is really if, good for that, that uh, category.
1: And if I can't interrupt, this is something that's like pretty legitimate. It's what we said all along. Kenny's two-year-old fork, he likes the new lower model fork more or at, equally as good right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm hard pressed. I don't know. The only reason
0: I'd really want to get a new fork is a, I would like, I don't think the rhythm has the Evol air canister. So that would be a little upgrade. I mean, I can always just get one for the fork. Um, but the little bit of lighter weight and the, again, that fit damper is, it is a little bit nicer than the grip from what I can tell. But uh, what I'm getting at is, man, that rhythm is pretty freaking cool. Like that's a good fork. i I just did it because I thought, hey, I'll try it. And if it sucks, it sucks and I'll tell people about it. But that's a good-ass fork. I don't think they're selling it aftermarket just yet. Um, I'm guessing it would be a roughly $500 fork. But dang, that thing is – I mean, that's a really, really nice fork. So, if anybody is kind of on the fence about that um, awesome awesome fork, without a doubt. That's all I got, really, about the bike. I like it. I enjoy it. I'm going to go ride it a lot more. It might also be a situation where I might be really surprised if I could – I'd bet money that after I ride it for a month or two and I really get used to it, I'll bet if I went back to my old RKT, if I had it in my hands, that I'd probably be like, meh, yeah, I don't, (laughs) I don't really like that so much. It's kind of like when I started doing the 29 thing, I didn't really think much of it. I didn't dislike them at all. And then I went back to the 26 and then I sold it. (laughs) Because you had an old Rocky, right? I had a Rocky Mountain ETSX, like an 08 maybe. Uh, And it was a good bike. It really was. It pedaled well. I had a lot of travel. Um, and for what it was, right. It was a really good bike, especially for what it was. Yeah, It was a fantastic bike. It was relatively light. Um, it just, yeah, it just wasn't as good as the, uh, it was not as good as the 29. It just wasn't. And I didn't realize it until I went back to it. Kind of like when I rode my first jet for a while, got used to it, was pretty happy with it. And then I went back and rode my single speed hardtail. And I was like, no, no, no that's going away. That's that's getting sold.
2: That's that's a little bit of how uh, nice full suspension bikes have spoiled me. I mean, I still like the single speed, but yeah, like being able to go fast on stuff is also really fun.
1: Yeah. And it's just it's fucking steep out here. Yep. So how much did your wheels weigh? So, you had SRAM 900 hubs, CX ray spokes, and XR391 rims. What's the internal width on that rim, and what do they weigh? Uh, internal is 25, and they weigh 1,700. Okay, cool.
2: How wide of a tire are you running? Uh, 2.3. 2.2s. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And you think you're going to go to something. So, I, I know you're specialized, so you're probably going to be going to a specialized tire, but I will say, um, and this guy can like lead into my, uh, what have I been doing? Um, the... Minion, DHF, DHR in 2.3 is a really nice combination.
0: Yeah, I don't doubt it at all. But I'm going to do...
2: But I know, you, like, specialized tires are so much They're cheaper, so cheap, like, and they're I'd, super
0: grippy now. Yeah. Um, I know those purgatories are going to wear out super fast. Like, they're kind of a Schwalbe situation going on. They've got really nice, sharp, grabby lugs, but they tend to... Especially on the rear, like, I'm going to rip them off. But anyway, I mean, at 50, 55 bucks a tire... Uh, like full retail i cannot argue that it's just on it's such good value yeah
2: and that's like that's a like cost on a money on a Max's tire like literally so i i don't i i don't um i i wouldn't i wouldn't be like no you shouldn't do that because you can't beat it
1: and the other thing with that with that affordable tire is when you have a 90 tire you like want to get I'm using my finger quotes, get your money's worth out of it. And when you have a $55 tire, you're like, eh, let's freshen this bitch up. You know? You're right. I keep them yeah. fresh and it makes a
0: big difference. I mean, new tire day is like awesome.
2: I love new tire day. Uh, I was running. I don't know if I talked about this last week. I was running. I, I think I did. I swapped out before I went on vacation. I went from an XR, like the bond trigger XR Four Two 2.4. And I did pick up the fast track 2.3 like you were running, like based on your recommendation. And it felt a lot like running the Arden Icon combo. Like it's, it's a pretty similar as far as like the amount of grip it gets combination, but here there's so much loose over hard. And I knew I was going to go to Moab. So I went ahead and swapped out my tires to the Minion DHF and DHR 2.3. So I went down a tiny bit in the front, but really those Bontrager, the line pro rims are so wide at 29 internal, like it's still, it's bigger. It's a tiny bit bigger than 2.3. It's like 2.35 or something, you know? So it's, you know, it's, it's stretched out a lot and it's super nice. And I got the nice, uh, tread compound, like the three C max Terra. So I splurged on tires and I've been really, really happy with it. I kind of feel like and this is going to hopefully help our listeners out some, like if you have ground that's actual dirt where the knob can dig into the ground and like sink itself into the ground, I don't think that the rubber compound makes as much of a difference. But when you're in a place like Salida and a lot of places out West where you have loose over hard, where it's basically like writing on concrete with sand on it, I think the tread like the rubber compound makes like the rubber itself has to grip to the s- the ground and the stuff on the ground like so I think it makes a bigger difference in places like this I don't know because I you know that's that's like my theory based on my experiences like I'm guessing if I went to someplace really loamy like where the tread actually digs in then the tread matters more but here it's more of the tread like the the rubber compound itself so yeah i w-
0: i think that's pretty accurate like i noticed the biggest difference out here just going to that new softer grippier the gripped on compound yeah. and that's what i noticed more than anything because i ran ardent ardent icon and then ardent ardent race and the difference going even to fast tracks which is a arguably racier tread than like a full-blown ardent on the front had the same if not better grip it's kind of crazy yeah
2: Yeah, so I think that the soft rubber compounds really benefit you where the ground is really, really hard and slick. So, uh, But it does wear out. Like, my rear tire has literally, like, six rides on it. And it's showing wear already. It's, you know, it's definitely showing wear. I actually pinch flatted it. I think I did, I definitely talked about that last week, but it is worth an update. Uh, I put a Dyna plug in it, in the pinch flat, like, in the bead. Basically, you know, you have like the square part that's inside the rim, but then like just above that, you have that little like gap between like the bead and the sidewall. And I put a Dyna plug in that and it's been holding great, like no problems at all. So I'm really happy about that because that happened four rides in. Uh, but OK, so enough about tires. I'm still in, really enjoying the mayhem. I'm going to try uh, this week. I should be getting a volume tuning kit. I have noticed that I'm using all of my travel on every ride, like even the kind of easier rides where I didn't feel like I should use all my travel. So I'm going to try uh, the next size bigger. If I look at like the Fox, if I enter my uh, shock, like the tuning code into the Fox web, like service website, it says that it has a, like a point, Two or something it gives you the size of the volume spacer that's in the shock so I haven't actually opened my shock up yet but i'm going to put the next size bigger volume spacer in it and try it and see if that uh, makes it just a you know ramp up just a little bit more so i'm gonna try that this week um I got a pike I, well i ordered a pike and a new air spring, so I should be trying the Um, the birthday money pipe pretty soon. Um, what else? Oh yeah. Funny Shimano story. Just kind of jumping all around here. Uh, so I have a pair of the Shimano, the ME7, the Enduro shoe, and they're kind of my hike a bike shoes. So they still pedal pretty close to like a nice cross country shoe. They're definitely not quite as stiff, but they're they're way stiffer than like a, you know, a 510 or something with like a super flat like tennis shoe kind of sole. And the rubber started peeling away from the sole, like the plastic sole of the shoe and to the point of where like rocks and like sand and stuff was getting in my shoe, like the rubber was just peeling. It was it was bad enough that I ended a ride early because I didn't want my shoe to fall apart. And I will start carrying duct tape with me. If I'd had some tape that I could wrap around the whole thing, I would have done that, but I didn't have it with me. So went back to the car a little early. Um, So I, I called Shimano to warranty them because they're, I got them sometime like mid summer last year. They're less than a year old. Uh, They don't, you know, I, I mainly wear my Giro shoes and I just bring out the Shimano shoes when I know I've got some hike a bike because they they're really good balance between pedaling and hike a bike. So I really like them for that stuff. And, you know, so I called up Shimano and I got Connor on the phone. Hopefully he doesn't care that I'm like calling him out, not really calling him out. Um, And I, you know, I said, I'm Andrea from absolute bikes. And this is the problem I'm having. And I described it to him and he's like, is this Andrea from the just riding along show? (laughs) 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 And I'm like, yes. And he kind of like chuckled a little. I was like, please don't rub your balls on my shoes. (laughs) 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 And he chuckled again. And like, he's like, well, our, our warehouse guys probably don't know, probably don't listen. So Or something like he, he was like, well, it's our warehouse guys that are going to ship it. So I can't rub my balls on your
0: shoes. (laughs) Yeah. I guess he could put a note on there. Be like, uh, rub balls on these shoes. (laughs) They're like, Oh man, that's the 10th pair today. That's terrible.
1: (laughs) They probably have something, uh, RBOP like rub balls on product. (laughs) Yep.
2: (laughs) Yep. So, I mean, I will say like, I'm pretty and sure it's that, like,
1: what does that mean? It's like a uh, real bad original product. So <laughs> we're sending you a, a return, a warranty.
2: I will say uh, the experience in warranting my shoes was very, um, it was very good. He was nice. I don't think it was just because I'm Andrea from the Just Riding Long show. If anything, he would have been an ass to me because we give Shimano a pretty hard time about how terrible their pricing control is. Um, so thank you, Connor. And, you know, I will say, like, it's commendable that, you know, I, I called, someone answered, they are taking care of my problem. And I, you know, I I can't fault them for that. Like, that's, that's good. We got to keep it real. Like, they, they had really good customer service in this instance. And I'm really happy I'm going to be getting a new pair of shoes in the mail. So... You know, I, I did send my old ones back with no JRA stickers. Like I had them all taped up and like put the label on and I'm like, shit, I didn't put any stickers in there. So sorry, Connor, no JRA stickers. You'd probably just put your balls on them anyway. He did say, Kenny, that he talked to you a good bit. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I think, have I done anything else interesting this week? I did watch one of my coworkers tear apart his Yeti for like the fourth time to try to get the, the sb 100 creak out. (laughs)
0: Um,
2: So public service announcement. And I'm just going to call this public service because um, it's not like bright and clear on the Yeti website. And this is also according to someone else who talked to me through Instagram, um, who uh, is in a shop that deals with some Yetis, the SB 100 um, they have taken the infinity link. That's normally like an external uh, kind of like facing like, runs in the plane of the bike and they have flipped it sideways and they've kind of hidden it inside the seat tube of the bike. Um, apparently it's very, very common that these are making noise. Um, according to my experience and this other person that I talked to, you have to, if you have an SB 100 and within the first ride or two, um, as my experience and someone else's experience, it starts clicking and making noises. Like the bottom bracket is like exploding. I mean, it's like loud cracking noises. It sounds like the bike is breaking in half. It's really bad. Um, you need to pull the infinity link out, apply anti seize to all of the, uh, like spacer and like metal to metal surfaces and put it back together. And that works. Uh, that's been my experience with one of our demo bikes. That's been one of my coworkers experience with his bike. Um, that was the experience with this person that I talked to through Instagram. So, um, SB one hundreds just needs like a major infinity link overhaul. If they start to make noise, um, it is a known problem with Yeti. Even if they don't tell you, (laughs) (laughs) uh, what else? Oh yeah. Um, Dickie told us that he also had the same experience as you, Kenny, where you had like two wet Trucoco sealant tennis balls in your tires.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and that they changed the formulation since then and it works great now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh apparently you will not get two wet tennis ball globs in your tires. I kind of want to say, and this this is like something that I've just gotten tired of hearing in general is that you can't mix sealant and I want to know like, and really like I literally like I, I put up a picture of like you can't mix tubeless sealant. Change my mind. Like that meme guy, like sitting at a, you know, like a card table. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really? Like if someone can show me what bad can happen if you mix sealant and I don't mean like you have old, like two month old sealant that's separated and you put, You know, if you have stands in your tires and you open up your tire like when it's three or four months old and like it's that kind of watery gray stuff and you put one scoop of like orange seal in it and then you go out and get a flat or like something weird happens. I don't mean that. I mean, like if you put a new scoop of stands in your tire with a new scoop of orange seal sealant, what's going to happen? What bad is going to happen? Show me. Just show me. Like I want to know. I want you to change my mind. I will literally change my mind about that because right now I think that's bullshit. When you say don't mix sealants, I think that they are similar enough formulations that it doesn't matter.
0: We and should if do Someone that. can tra- we should come up yeah. with the JRA sealant, and it's going to be. Like a scoop one of tenth, everything, yeah. One tenth orange seal, one tenth stands. We got Bontrager <laughs> in there. We got Trucker Co. We got some glitter. <laughs> we got a little bit of motor oil. What else should we put in there? Maybe <laughs> some sand.
1: So I think a really good thing to do is, and I'll I'll make a note for myself right now. Um, sorry, I can't really write and talk. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to buy a couple of clear bottles, like hammer flask style bottles, from Amazon. And science experiment style, I'm going to write what I'm putting in there, and I'll put like I'll get like six ounce bottles and put like two ounces of this, two ounces of that in each one. So like two ounces of orange seal, two ounces of stands in one bottle. Two of orange seal, two ounces of orange seal, two ounces of bond trigger, two ounces of stands, two ounces of bond trigger, and like every day shake them fifty times and like yeah. wait, like do this for like. I don't know, let's say 10 days. And if like, I don't know, it turns into like curdled milk. Like when you put milk and lemon juice together, you know, if it like curdles up and like looks funky, it's like. Why are you putting
0: milk and lemon juice together? What kind of fucked up drinks are you making over there? Is that like a thing? Is that like, is that called like the, you know, is that called the Macaulay? The
1: sad mat. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering what that the was. The sad mat. The drink that you hate to taste and hate to chew even more. Okay. Uh. I was wondering. Yeah, you know, I was sitting next to a girl at a bar
0: and she ordered that. And I was like, she's like, yeah, I want I want a sad mat. I didn't realize that that was curled milk and lemon juice. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Really though. Like she probably
1: it, eats old pizza from under the seat of her car like I do. <laughs>
2: if someone could really like send me that type of research that showed like definitively that you shouldn't do it, I would totally change my mind because I'm that type of person. Like I believe in science.
1: Hell fuck it. I'll just do it in my wheels. There's yeah, no reason. Like, I'll just totally, do it in my I wheels. I mix the
2: stuff together in my wheels. Like, well, when that, uh, no, I put, um, I put new sealant.
1: I need sealant in my single speed. I'll just do that. I don't yeah. care.
2: Yeah. Let's mix like stands and orange seal and see what happens. Yeah, because I, like from my experience, I think nothing bad is going to happen. I don't think it's going to change the sealing properties. I don't think that it's going to change how quickly it dries out, you know, any more than, you know, so orange seal, I think everyone's experience is that orange seal dries out slightly faster than other stuff. So if you had half stands and half orange seal, I'd say that would dry out faster than all stands. I mean, that just is common sense and logic like that makes sense. So I don't think past that, that it would really make a difference.
0: Yeah. Orange seal has got it going on. It's dries out faster. It doesn't work and it's more expensive. Pretty cool <laughs> stuff.
2: I think it works great.
0: You know what it might be? It might be that if we mix different sealants together, it might be like the ammonia and bleach thing. And it makes like super toxic, deadly gas.
2: <laughs> All I'll right. just do it outside. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just do it outside.
1: I mean you know like i'm not gonna like do it over a bucket and like huff it or anything <laughs> um so that's what everybody else has had going on i rode a lot last week made me really tired that's about it don't really have much else to say the fuel you could say i'm like making peace with the bike which kind of leads into a question that i'll try to answer here in a second um But for the most part, it's still what it is. It's a modified single pivot bike. I know you're going to troll up like the old episode where I said I loved it. And just like Kenny said, when he first started riding his Jet Nine, he really liked it, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and then like where I'm going is after I've gotten this much time, you know, I'm probably at 420 miles or so on the bike, which here is pretty hard to get mileage. Um, And what I mean by that is like, you know, it's not, again, it's not Memphis. You're not doing 12 mile an hour rides. You know, they're a mile's pretty hard to get here with the elevation and stuff.
0: Just out of curiosity, Um, when you guys do like kind of climby rides, um, I don't know if you guys run wheel sensors or not, but what kind of like average speeds are you getting typically? uh, If I average like full mountain bike ride. Yeah. If you do like one with uh, at least a hundred feet, hundred to 150 feet, at least per mile, normal climbing out kinda out west, and you're gonna do a two hour ride or something, like what kind of average speed do you get?
1: About the closest thing I can think of off the top of my head is our cottonwood ride. It has like twenty four hundred feet of climbing. Seventeen hundred feet of that is done up a seven mile gravel road. Mm-hmm. So that climbing comes pretty easily, but that's still two fifteen round trip.
2: Um well like the ride we did
1: on, I wouldn't count the rides we did this week because those are just mountain. Those are flat bar road rides. Because I feel like a turd. I mean,
0: most rides I do, I end up like nine, maybe 10 miles an hour average.
2: That's, yeah, I'd say that's pretty normal.
1: But I'll give you an idea. The other day, I did an out and back on Monday and it was 44 miles. And the first 22 miles had 3,500 or 3,700 feet of climbing in it. Mm-hmm. So you know, of course, I went super slow, but then my average speed really came back up when I turned around and like ripped back to town. Like you know, there was probably a thirty minute time period that I was in my thirty two, ten, and twelve exclusively, just like going a tiny bit downhill with a tiny bit of a tailwind. Yeehaw! You know, so. <laughs>
2: so Matt and I did a ride the other day where the first sixteen miles we went from. Let's see what it was saying. Like, so elevation on Garmin and Strava and stuff isn't really like the most accurate. Um, but it does say we went from 7,200 feet to 10,000, basically 10,600 feet in 16 miles. And that took us two hours and 18 minutes. And I can say, like, we weren't like cross country pace, but we also were not like, just sitting up and talking like it was like a a steady pace that was um like you could still look around and enjoy the view but it was like going you know
1: mm-hmm. like it, was it was riding with a purpose yeah like the best it was like it. we
2: would we just want to get to the top of this we don't want to blow up on the way but we're we're going you know like it was definitely like what Matt said riding with a purpose and it took two hours and eighteen minutes to go sixteen miles. But we went, you know,
1: that far, and that was two hundred feet a, mi- a mile in gain average. Yeah, like
2: that climb was a motherfucker. It was a mining road. Like you'll, I don't know if mining was huge where you are, Kenny.
0: It's pretty big. But
2: yeah, you'll figure out. Like mining roads are motherfuckers. Oh, they're usually pretty like degraded. they're they're just yeah, like they're they're one step less gnarly than power line roads
0: yeah there's a mining road over here that goes to the the big old what Kennecott copper mine or something i think is what it's called and yeah it's it's a pretty rowdy road uh it's paved for like the first half and then it's gravel and it's got yeah it's it's gnarly and you, you're it's like a public road for a certain part of the season maybe um and yeah, everyone was like going up that thing in four-wheel drive trucks and all that stuff but i made my civic up to the top of that <laughs>
2: <laughs> you are that guy.
0: I am. I am that guy. <laughs>
2: because there's always like, you go up to the top of some of these roads and there will be like a freaking, like a 1997 Camry parked at the top. And you're just like, <laughs> yeah. how?
0: Exactly. Wow. It's when total. you go shake that. It's when you shake that person's hand.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, so with my Subaru, I'm always a little like, there'll be grade reversals in the road. And that's where I'm always a little worried. Cause I have to go a little sideways, but sometimes the road's not wide enough to go sideways.
1: So you just like dent the rocker panel on your car?
2: Yeah, I did that once. And I definitely have scraped that bike rack through the ground
1: a few <laughs> times. So back to track of what I've been doing. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. I want to segue this into this question. Um, did from, we have
2: any donations?
1: We did. I was going to do those last. So okay. saving the best for last. All right. Uh. Wow. Phil says hell all. I think he meant hello, but I, hell he says hell all. Really enjoy your show. Recently Matt commented on the bogginess of the Trek Fuel X during his twelve hour race. Any thoughts on more appropriate bikes that pedal better but can still deal with the nar? Cheers. P.S. would also like to hear more on the plus minus aspects of different suspensions with the recognition that all have compromises. Um so I want to work backwards in this. Some bikes have more compromises than other. So when we talk about that. Ah, uh, this is gonna sound like a chotch, but there is better suspension than others. It's it's not like some are better in this and some are better than that. No, some's just better. Like Trek doesn't license their suspension to other people, but I don't think there's people beating down Trek's door saying, "Please license me full floater." Yeah, like, people go to Dave Ween's or Dave Weagle or whatever, whoever it is. It doesn't matter. Dave they go Eagle. they go to Dave Weagle and they're like, "I think if they went to Dave me- Ween's to get suspension
0: made, it might not be
1: awesome." I don't know, maybe he's amazing, but <laughs> <laughs> no, whatever. But they go to Dave Weagle and they're it would like
2: be sustainable.
0: And
1: they're <laughs> like, Give me link, please. And they like have their, their bowl of porridge and they like just want the link like added into their bowl of porridge. They're like, please, sir, can I have another? You know? So um I think all of those multi link bikes with the it's not a yurt bike. It's not a unified rear triangle. We get that. <laughs> with a Pivot pivotless in the sense of no hardware no flex points a solid rear triangle a, a rear triangle that moves as a unified and non-bending unit so think gw bikes vpp uh there's other stuff that's just like evading me right now i can't think of it but,
2: but not like the scalpel style exactly you have a flexing thing that acts like a lower link.
1: And the new Epic has a flex point in it. You know, those bikes are skimping pivots to save weight. They're adding in flex points to save weight, which changes the rebound characteristics and all these things of the bike. So uh, when you want to hear the plus and minus aspects of different suspensions, multi-link bikes pedal better. Um, That's just kind of fact. And if you don't think that they pedal better, you have to compare apples to apples. So don't compare a top fuel to a tall boy or don't compare a tall boy with carbon wheels to a top fuel six, you know, like (laughs) you, you gotta compare like, you know, nice carbon wheel bike to a nice carbon wheel bike of comparable travel. So like a blur XO one with reserve or a top fuel nine, eight with carbon wheels, you know, you have to look at what you're talking about. So uh, I think that kind of solves that just quickly and briefly. Um, I don't think anyone disagrees with me on that stuff. Right.
2: I mean, I can add in like, the differences between suspension designs are something that you should definitely like, you know, if you're, if you're doing like a, you know, if you're, if you're really in the market for a new bike, you should demo bikes and figure out which bikes you like. If you can't make up your mind, go with whichever one has the best color, because as we've said before, you're not going to get a bad bike. Now you're just, none of them are going to be bad. Um, the time when you start, recognizing the differences between suspension. If you're relatively new into mountain biking, and I don't want to sound like some kind of like elitist kind of person, but if you're pretty new, you're not going to notice a difference. If you've been in it for a while, you're going to see, you're going to feel the little subtle things. Like I, I, I know I'm going to feel the difference between, even though a Fox 34 factory fork is awesome and it's great. I know that the Pike is going to feel different in a way that I like. And even though, um, you know, a Trek fuel EX is a wonderful, capable bike. I know that any sort of bike with a solid rear triangle, not a unified rear triangle, um, a solid rear triangle, like Matt described it, it pedals differently uphill and through techie stuff and chunky stuff. Like I can tell those little differences, even though they're really, really subtle. But that comes from like, I don't know, 10 years of riding mountain bikes.
0: Who would have thought the original Trek Y bike, unified rear triangle, that thing was like, that thing's better than
1: the Fuel EX. It's craziness. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I'll interject here and explain why. So when we talk about a DW, a VPP, a Switch Infinity Link, any, and I'm sure there's other stuff I'm missing. I just can't think of it.
2: Um, whatever Scott has doesn't Scott do? Scott it? Scott single pivot. Oh, um, what's the one I'm thinking of then?
1: Uh, Salsa is also uh, a DW Giant. link.
0: The, the FSR, FSR, the specialized FSR, is a little bit different, but it's I'm going to call it
1: a fancy single pivot. Well, but I'm talking about multi pivot, like a link bike or a niner. Oh, okay. All oh those, okay. Yeah, you got uh, you got CVA,
0: which is uh, that's niner. You got that's VPP from Santa Cruz. CVA you got
2: DW. Has- is Steve Doma designed.
1: Regardless, <laughs> all of those multi-link bikes where there's a link in the rear and this is going to kind of like the explanation and the cause are going to be interrelated so just follow with me but like any bike that has a link that swings you'll notice that the f- forward pivot is higher than the lower pivot and as the suspension travels that lower pivot comes up in line or closer to in line with that forward pivot. If you think about Uh, like the way triangles work it's a if you triangulate that the rear pivot is moving upwards and backwards which is increasing the chainstay length so mechanically when you apply pedal pressure it wants to deactivate the suspension and draw the rear end closer it wants to move the wheel axle closer to the bottom bracket axle and that taut you know, top chain that runs from the chain ring back to your cog, not the bottom side down through the derailleur, but that top cog under load mechanically resists pedal bob. That feels great. And it does everything that I would say the Specialized Epic wishes to do, which is reduce pedal bob and then work when you want it to work. Because as a good mountain biker that's actually on the trail, when you're hammering on the bike, you're doing that on smooth terrain. And then, when the rough terrain comes, you stop pedaling or you stop pedaling as hard because the terrain's getting rough. There's less tautness to the chain, whether that's zero tension or moderate to no tension on that top chain. The rear suspension is able to move because mechanically it's no longer bound by the chain tension. And because pedal bob is not trying to be contained or wrangled in by the suspension shock, by the shock itself. The shock doesn't have to resist pedal bob. So the shock has better small bump compliance. That is really like I I explain this to people all the time. I take DW link bikes and I do that on the sales floor and I show them, hey, this is my weight. All my weight is on the saddle. I'm squeezing both brakes. This is my weight. All of my weight is on the right crank arm. I'm squeezing both brakes. Look at how much less less travel was used. You can't make this up. This bike works. And all those bikes are focusing on doing the same thing. By having a backwards or away from the bottom bracket chain path or axle path, it's making the bike mechanically resist pedal bob and the bikes pedal better than a modified single pivot bike. And please don't tell me how wrong I am. That was the... Three minute synopsis of one version of bike versus another.
2: Well, and also you could talk to a lot of, like, most people who like to ride fast downhill will say that single pivot bikes of whatever type descend better than the multi link bikes
1: because they take less, they're more active even when you do have your foot on the pedal.
2: Yeah. So, like, there's trade offs there. Like, I definitely, you know, if there are bikes that probably descend better than the bike I have now, but I just, I I really, really, I feel like the descending part, they're all so close that, and this is its just my priority. Like I really want a bike that pedals really, really well. And that's why I have my bike. Um, Not that my bike doesn't descend really well, but I bet that there's like one or two out there that maybe feel a tiny bit more comfortable. Like, you know, it's, it's subtle. It's very subtle. You can't get Like if you get a nice bike now, pretty much what we're saying is like, if you're relatively new to the sport, you can't get a bad bike.
1: And if your bike is 15 years old, buy a bike. Doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs)
0: Yeah, no, it really will be a huge difference. And I think that's really good advice in general, because I think it's a cool time we live in that so many of these big brand bikes are so good. So if you're really new to it, don't worry. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody wants to get the coolest stuff, right? Everybody wants to have done their research and all that crap. And like, yeah, maybe if that say that RKT pedals a little bit better than the stump jumper. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, really buy the bike that you can get good support on, uh, and buy the bike that you like for whatever reason, don't worry so much about the nitty gritty until you start getting deeper into it. Cause it really, it won't matter at the end of the day. You're just going to be, it's not going to matter. So much good stuff
1: out there. Just get a bike that has awesome support. Yeah. So that route. If you want a bike that is an amazing, like park bike, something like a Process One Fifty Three single pivot bike might be awesome. You know, you don't have to pedal it uphill. It's a super burly. It's like the gnarliest single crown bike that we have in the store right now. It feels very like planted. It feels like you could jump it off the house and like it'd be fine. I did like probably what was that? Probably like it was. Solid, that was dumb. It was a solid 48 inches plus the curb, so six inch curb, like fifty-two, fifty-four inches at least, uh, straight to flat on a on a process one fifty three, and it was just like take me to the buffet, let me eat. I ain't scared. <laughs> like
2: you bottomed everything out.
1: I bottomed out all the suspension, all the tire, but like it was fine. Like it didn't groan when I did it. Like you heard things bottom out, but you didn't hear like this God awful like protest. So, um, to get to the, the Matt commented on the bogginess of my Trek Fuelie X during the 12 hour race. Um, I had to dick with the switch all the time. So I was flipping the switch multiple times per lap, every single lap. And like, as I got more tired, what I was doing is I had landmarks where I'm going to run the shock fully locked out. Like, let me back up a little bit. Uh, so uh, There's a road climb. It started actually before the lap ended. So I would come down this last little descent onto flat, let's call it flat ground, um, river level. I would lock the shock out. I would go through town, go through the pit. I would leave my pit. I would go out. I would go up the road climb, fully locked out the whole way. Okay, I'm going into the trail, middle position. Okay, I'm up the last little bit of this climb, and it's gonna get chunky. Fully open, okay. Um, I'm fully open. Um, no, no, fully open on North Backbone. Okay. Like cl- finish climbing North Backbone, flip it fully open when you go around into that first little valley, and then I'm on North Backbone. I'm ripping, I'm ripping, I'm ripping. Fully open, chunk, 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 chunk. Oh, cool. I'm passing this trail intersection mid position. Oh, okay, cool. I went past the aid station where they tell me to turn. Fully locked. Oh, okay. I'm at the top of this, fully open, and then ride fully open the last half of the course, um, or ride fully open through this gnarly section. Put it in the middle position, flip it back to open to do the final descent. Flip it to fully closed, and, or flip it to middle. Ride the chunky part of the road back, and then flip it to fully closed. Go back through town. So it's just a lot to think about, and it I had to. A lot. I did and I had to have mental landmarks, mental cues because I'd find myself like third and fourth lap as I was getting tired. I'd be like, dear God, this lap is so hard. And I'd be like, shit, it's been in the middle position for like, you know, two miles that it shouldn't have been. I've been beating myself up unnecessarily, but leaving it fully wide open, it just goes like a pig uphill. But sure, we have that Cottonwood ride and I did some Cottonwood shuttles recently and doing the shuttles was great. I mean, there's no knock on riding shuttles. there awesome because i get to do 55 minutes of hard descending with relatively no climbing so i'm super fresh i can work on my technique Only
2: like 800 (laughs) feet of climbing
1: no i if you cut out at backbone there's like pretty much no damn climbing it's i would guess it's under 200 feet um like you're straight hauling ass it's awesome um and you know i'm doing these rides and i'm learning more and i'm ripping those full open like straight up just full open but that's a, a downhill shuttle, you know? So, um, I want to bike. And the, the last little bit of this is I'm overbiked. Um, the fuel isn't making or opening possibilities to me that a 49 SL and SB 100, a Rocky mountain instinct element. I can't remember which one their short travel bike is. Um, uh, I think it's element, but, Instinct. Who cares? Whatever. The they have a a bike that's 120 in the front, 100 in the rear. Those bikes, I would jump the same stuff on. And the things that I won't jump on my fuel are things that I would not jump on a dual crown fork. Probably. Like there are things I just don't want to jump. I I look at them and everyone says this. I look at it. I'm like, I could jump that. Like I have a lot of skill. I'm comfortable. Like I could do it. But if it did go wrong, like I just, it's not worth the risk, like the risk versus reward. Like I'm just not willing to take those risks. So like a short travel bike with a dropper is going to go uphill so much better. I could probably get down to that Kenny weight. You know, Kenny's riding a 26 pound bike. I'm on a 28 and a half pound bike. And if I could ride a bike that climbed more efficiently through a modified or through a multi-link system and it was, or, and this isn't a plug for Rocky mountain, but like Rocky Mountain's got it going on. That bike has a, a, a thing on the bar, which I think is sick. It's got a lockout on the bar. So, like a
2: double, a dual?
1: No, it's just a hardtail. It's a literal, it's a hardtail button, not a road bike button. So, like, if you wanted to climb on it and, like, you wanted to stand and have it locked out for, 100 yards of trail or 20 yards of trail or 10 feet of trail you can and that's what i'm running to on the fuel is i can't reach and flip it that often so like even though i made that description of all those places i flipped it in a 14 mile loop it's still i wish that i could have swapped it more so if i could have a button on the bar that did the rear shock i'd be really really happy and Uh, front shocks i don't think they need to be locked out anymore if you're not on pavement Uh, low speed compression has gotten so supportive and it does such a good job of not diving under like smooth pedaling i feel like if i'm pedaling out of the saddle and my fork's diving it's a good indication that i'm not pedaling smoothly i'm pedaling like a monkey you know i'm just like ah, like wrenching on the pedal yeah goon pedaling you know it's like you know pedaling squares is when you're like in the saddle kind of pedaling like a not good peddler out of the saddle though it's like a whole different body language and stuff so i i feel like if i had a road bike or a a hardtail button on a bike i think it would be really sick i could ride a single pivot bike that did that because i feel like i could hop out of the i could slam the button hop out of the saddle you know make those eight ten five hundred whatever pedal strokes jam the button and be back to you know full boing mode again and again every so when we talk about bikes having pluses and minuses multi link bike i feel like i wouldn't have to flip switches so often um i did ride jake's blur when he came down for the race and dude that thing was cool like the blur yeah what, what do you think about that thing um dude straight up so it is a dual lock which for better or for worse i mean again it's on the bar so you could just you could use it so like there's no thought of like, ah, I got to lock this, unlock this. You know, ooh, I need to reach down and do this. It's just like, oh, it's getting bumpy. Oh, it's on my bar. Boom. It was sick. Uh, that bike reminded me a lot of my top fuel, but it felt like it had a little bit of, it was like the top fuel's like bad older sister. <laughs> um, it's really sick. And back to Andrew's point, the color is amazing. So it looks good. It's an attractive looking bike. It was relatively light. I didn't hang it on the scale, but relatively light. He had a dropper. He had a remote lockout. He had a one by system. He had some really cool stuff going on with it. And it, it's just a really nice bike.
2: We could go to the next question. I think we answered it.
1: Yeah. So there you go. That's that's me and my Trek Fuel EX. Uh, hit me up if you need that, XL. What? Uh, yeah. So uh, let's see. Next person is going to be Randy. I've got as many years' experience with sealant as it has been available, so he's known sealant since it came out. My personal favorite is Bontrager TLR, and trust me, it does not make sealant balls in your tires as happens with stands. Bontrager TLR ends up drying out and leaving a film over the entire inside of the tire. Orange is okay, not at all worth the price. Trucker Co. is okay, and it's cheap on Amazon, but it dries out faster than Bontrager, making it effectively more expensive when you consider that it does not last as long. By the way, sealant dries out Fast, and that's Capital Fast, like all caps fast in Arizona. Too hot. Yeah. Randy. Uh I can't remember what that's from. I think the best way to look at this is
0: that the best sealant is sealant that's actually still liquid sealant.
2: I don't know. I, I, I like I check over my bike enough that I feel like I catch it before it dries out.
1: And then I have another sealant one. Regards to Andrea from Toledo, Ohio, from Jonathan. Here's, Jonathan, here's my Stans Alien. I listened to your most recent episode and checked my tires after. I work at a bike shop and I got the sealant to fuck around on when I purchased my Stans podium wheels, which are solid as fuck and weight weenie for my top fuel. Only one-ish month after putting the sealant in, this is what I got. I've always used orange seal and never had a problem. It has sealed one-inch gashes on the sidewalls before with no problem. Oh, well, maybe I'm using it for too long. I don't know. Thanks for the show, Cheese Boy. And it's a picture of his Stanimals. <laughs> And he has like things for scale. Like there's a detailed shot and then there's one with it next to a,
2: like a stinger waffle,
1: a stinger waffle and a pilot G2 pin, which is definitely a unit of measurement in my life. <laughs> and then there, there it is like looking all ashamed. Like the stands bottle is staring down at it. Like you have disgraced me, son. So that's pretty cool. And let's see that. And that, I think that covers it. We have donations. I'm talking, not looking at the mic cause I'm trying to make notes. Um, Terrible. So, Cody from California, one quarter of a Benjamin.
2: $25.
1: You got it. That's how math works. Matthew from California, one fifth of a Benjamin. And then Trailer Trash, he's becoming like fanboy numero uno. Also from California, sent over 25 doll hairs with a note y'all have an awesome show thanks for the hard work remember to always wipe and stay off the pipe okay so you have that i think that kind of wraps it up we went through what's going on with us kenny bought a dirt bike kenny got a Snubby st and he rode it new suspension is good multi-link bikes probably go uphill better than single pivot bikes uh, Andrea wants to know if mixing sealant will make an explosion, and that's pretty much what I'm going to do this coming week. I just want to know week. if it
2: has like detri- actual detrimental effects, like faster separation, or if it makes your tire delaminate, or if it dissolves the sealing particles somehow so that they no longer like it all becomes liquid, and so there's nothing left to clog holes, like. Tell me some science and I will change my mind because that's what I do when I'm presented with actual research.
1: So there you have it. Anything else, Kenny? No, that's it. All right, well, this has been an episode of Just Riding Along. Thanks everyone for listening and until next time. Remember to wipe and stay off the pipe.
0: We take you to market to sell, now you can afford the bike that you want, the job at the mall ain't pay you enough. Now she's getting rough. You're, you're thinking that you need to sell all your stuff, when it is more likely the problem with biking is that you're just prone to fucking shit up. You suck. Try to get a new hit before you get a bike Maybe get a trike with the wheelies on the side Then you gotta get it, get it till you get it better Maybe then you make a cheddar Instead of looking like a lame ass And if
1: you get confused, you can ask J-R-A Get hip to the name Cause maybe, maybe the realist new you so suck is lame. lame It is a shame
2: But that's why you listen to J-R-A